Our uh, Missions Sunday speaker this morning is Tim Brumfield. Tim has um, been doing or helping in mission work most all of his adult life. After graduating from college, he went to Brazil with uh, three other families as part of a team where they, uh, and he helped start a Bible school and directed it uh, for several years. After 12 years of this work, he returned to the United States and began to teach at what was known at that time as the Sunset School of Preaching. Now they've moved uptown and it's called the Sunset International Bible Institute. You know. um, besides teaching missions and uh, evangelism in the school to future preachers, uh, he was also the coordinator of foreign students in the camp. In the mid-1990s, a recently converted uh, South Sudanese man entered Sunset or was brought to Sunset to enter school there because he wanted to become a preacher. One of his teachers was Tim Brumfield. Tim took him under his wing and encouraged him to go back to his South Sudanese people to the Karyondongo refugee camp in Uganda where he had come from as an immigrant to the United States. And this man gave up the opportunity to live in the United States as an immigrant and went back to his people in that camp. And uh, Tim uh, worked to raise his support and to help him return there. Tim even went on a mission trip to to the refugee camp to help, uh, to help him get, get started. I visited that camp shortly after that and one day a man uh, pointed out this, this man that we're now talking about, Isaiah Jackson. He pointed to him and told me that that man has baptized 3,500 people in this camp and it was just a few years time. That was the beginning of the mission work of the Churches of Christ in South Sudan. It was the first work that we know of, of the preaching of the pure gospel of the New Testament uh, since maybe the late New Testament period. Now then, uh, Tim has uh, become associated with a new phase of his ministry and hopefully the last one because he's now associated with us and in the work of, of uh, taking the gospel to South Sudan uh, as part of the Mount Juliet Church of Christ. Now then, uh, Tim, if you were being introduced at sunset and to make you feel at home, at this point they would say, Tim, preach the word. It is such a joy to be here today. I'm so, so excited and so thankful not only to be here, but also to uh, share with a church that I've heard about for, I guess, almost all my life because of the mission emphasis that you have here and uh, the love that you have for lost souls around the world. I want to show you some uh, slides of the things that have been going on and uh, maybe I don't get to see them, I guess. I'll come down here. Uh, the Lord has blessed my family so, so much over uh, many, many years and has been so kind to bring us a long ways in 
so many things and in so many ways because uh, I was just a little farm boy from New Mexico. The uh, Lord blessed us to learn a few things and we went to a town, a little village called uh, Machigini. These people eagerly listened and you might imagine what it feels like to be listened to so eagerly and they want to hear and they want to know and they have all kinds of really good questions. So in the evenings we would preach publicly in the afternoons answer questions and then uh, at night as it grew dark we would get a car battery out and show a, a, a movie, the Jesus film. Some of you may be familiar with uh, from the Gospel of Luke in their own native language. And so everyone comes because they, uh, they don't get to watch movies. They don't get, there's no electricity. And so everyone shows up. Of course, all of the kids of the village show up and uh, everyone is so excited to be there. God began to uh, pro provide the fruit for the work and uh, it was so exciting to be a part of a growing uh, work brand new church that God had planted in this little village and uh, took the gospel there. It was only a few months after we began in April that the secretary of the chief who had been baptized began to preach there every Sunday. Uh, and so he's uh, growing and learning from the materials that we took and left there with him. And so thank God for uh, receptive hearts that are searching and the, the church uh, little church there continues to grow this actually was a little old they're having between 20 and 30 now uh, in their assembly and so it's so exciting to be a part of such a thing uh, last summer we went to Mozambique as well took a couple of students with us uh, this is in Mozambique right next to the border of Malawi and uh, when we arrived to do a church plant campaign. We didn't know that we would meet up with 17, with 19 evangelists from that region uh, to evangelize every day. So we got out there and in the mornings, uh, the van we had rented would drop a, an evangelist or a couple of evangelists off every quarter of a mile or so. And then we would go on down the road and my partner was uh, Josario and he would boldly preach. And I was... Uh, speaking and he was translating and quickly I realized uh, they could learn a whole lot more and a lot faster if he just did the preaching and the white guy, the only white guy in the whole area would uh, invite them. Why don't you come and listen to the gospel? And every single person on that road did. And in the afternoons we would preach publicly. Uh, we divided up the preaching and teaching between the students and myself and we did this in three different villages over a period of five days and we didn't know what the Lord was going to do with this but it was so exciting. Again in the evening we showed the movie, borrowed a generator and showed this movie, uh, the Jesus film in their native language, Chichewa, and uh, they loved it. In fact, at this particular audience, when Jesus would uh, heal a sick person, they would all cheer, yay, and clap, you know, and it was really exciting. When Jesus would say something really profound, uh, they would all cheer. And God, again, provided more fruit, and uh, we, we didn't know what God was going to do through uh, our attempts 
But after five days, God planted three new churches. Uh, I don't even know how many people were baptized because every group was, you know, going and teaching and preaching and baptizing. And this is one of the evangelists from the area introducing to the community uh, this particular new church. And so now there's a church in Ndadza, Machinguafoya, and Magala. There wasn't before. So God was uh, providing the fruit. Uh, received a letter shortly thereafter from our brother Alex, and he said that uh, we baptized two, two more uh, in this new church and five more in this other congregation, and uh, we baptized uh, some and two in this one, and, and then the home congregation, the, the one that had been there for so long, the Zobwe Church, baptized another two. And so they're growing and exciting uh, we received a message, an email from our brother Mika. They said uh, over the New Year holiday, they preached to a, a preacher from some denomination, and uh, he obeyed the gospel along with a lot of his uh, followers in his churches. And so now there are six new churches in, since we left. And so it's just so exciting to be a part of such a exciting church plant campaign. Well, uh, after we spent five days preaching to the community, then we spent five days doing a seminar for the Christians to try and strengthen them, uh, teaching a seminar on I Follow Jesus. The brother was up there taking notes in their language and everyone was writing as fast as they could and listening eagerly uh, to see what was being said. We uh, spent our time there at the Zobwe uh, Bible College. No one of us would call it a Bible college, but that's what they called it. And it was amazing. The people, not only from that congregation, and the whole community began to come. And uh, especially the evangelists from that whole region were there. Uh, well over a hundred uh, of the evangelists were there. And the chief on the last day came and uh, greeted us and thanked us for the uh, course and uh, uh, work there. Uh, we were sent, I, I'm pretty sure this is a preacher's count, uh, the attendance of the course that we had there. And so uh, I thought, wow, that was, that's a lot of people. That's... <laughs> That probably we're counting the ants and the mouses and whatever else that was passing by. But in my thinking, maybe this would be something we could consider doing in South Sudan as well. Uh, God is blessing these uh, church plant campaigns in so many other places. Uh, I think that's kind of what the Holy Spirit did when he chose Paul and Barnabas uh, and sent them out from Antioch to plant churches in many places. That's just what they did. So uh, maybe the Mount Juliet Church is going to send us. We're going to go and plant some churches in the uh, South Sudan. Just a brief history of the work there. Uh, Don gave us a little bit of history as well. And in uh, about 93, Bill Yasko, an evangelist there in Houston, uh, he gave a... Uh, seminar began to teach a lot of Sudanese people. 
uh, Isaiah Jackson on the right is, is the one that, he, one that he baptized. And then Costa Costa, some of you may have heard of. Uh, they're on the other side. And John Ed Clark uh, raised the support for uh, this mission work. Found a, a congregation in California. John Ed Clark was an Ethiopian missionary to take over that work. And in the little book, uh, Churches of Christ Around the World, it, it quoted... No work of the Church of Christ is known in Sudan. Of course, there was no South Sudan at that time. Uh, Isaiah graduated in 97, and then he went on to preach in the Kidiondongo refugee camp and began to teach and uh, preach, and people began to obey the gospel. He preached and preached and preached, and not only did he preach, but he baptized so many people. Uh, we kept getting reports, and he would send back pictures, and it was so exciting, you know, to see what God was doing. Uh, God was bringing forth all kinds of, of people. And uh, not only was he teaching in the gospel and preaching, but training the ones he was uh, converting, and they were also going out. If I'm not mistaken, this is Andrew. Some of you have heard that name, Andrew. Uh, not too long after he was baptized himself in the Kidiondonga refugee camp in Uganda. And now he's baptizing others. And so they begin baptizing and, and more people teaching the gospel. After one year, they had a big assembly at the uh, church that was there that they had planted uh, 400 in attendance after one year. That was exciting. And the Lord just kept producing all kinds of fruit uh, a brother went down to visit and see after a few years of that work to see if he could find people that were actually there and, and worshiping and assembling. And, and he found, well, there are a lot of churches and a lot of Christians and they're, they're actually there and there are churches and meeting. And that was so exciting for us. I really like this construction, air-conditioned buildings. Uh, you know, we, we all have air-conditioned buildings. They have them too, see? And uh, they build their buildings for a better price than some of us, uh, but they work. In 2006, John Ed Clark, who was working with that project at the time, had a booth at the World Evangelism Forum, and on it he had a, a little picture of a bunch of people coming to the water to be baptized and said, 3,000 have obeyed the gospel. From my memory, there was another one later that said 3,500. Uh, and that's what Don had mentioned. That's probably a preacher count. Don't tell anybody. But that's, I don't know how many. All I know is hundreds and thousands. And sure, is this an exaggeration? <laughs> you know, but it's so exciting to be a part of such great uh, glory to God. John Ed was not able to continue that uh, work and overseeing. And he found Don Humphrey, and uh, you know Don and Sandra and love them and the work that they've been doing. And Don has been such a blessing to the work there and the, the Sudan project in so many different ways. Uh, been coordinating this work for, what, eight or nine years now. And uh, been such a blessing in, in a lot of different ways because he has been the one mostly instrumental in the building of this big campus the School of Preaching building with its uh, sleeping areas and uh, the classrooms and the church building and the clinic with all of its uh, rooms and uh, 
some of you may already know, on the top left there is Eric. He's the coordinator of the school. And then Isaiah on the right. At the bottom is Elias, another one of our teachers. And then uh, on the right is Dr. Spock. I, that's what I call him. John Jock is his name. He's not really a doctor, but that's, he's what they have. Uh, I don't know how many uh, are in the city or community of Padjok, but uh, I keep hearing everybody say at least 50,000. Uh, it's a little village, but 50,000. The chief says 58,000. That's what he told me the last time uh, I visited with him. And so I got to go in 2012 to teach evangelism course there, and I loved it. Uh, being with them, uh, trying to eat their food. I, I'm a little scared of some of it still, but it was good. But uh, now we've already graduated from our level one studies, 145 uh, students, uh, evangelists, preachers of the gospel. And so they're going out and preaching and teaching in so many different ways. My personal uh, desire and hope is to find ways to help these people teach and preach uh, and support themselves. They have a, a preaching lab. And of course, it's actually teaching lost people in the neighborhood. Uh, preaching on Sundays in uh, churches in the area. And uh, when I was there, 55 were baptized that one day. Can, have you been at a place where they baptized 55 people at once? It's pretty exciting. Don's work with the... Uh, clinic is so exciting. It's so helpful, so valuable because of all of the uh, hundreds and thousands of people's lives being saved. Of course, the chief asked, please build us a maternity uh, ward. And so that's exactly what's been taking place. And Don has been working so hard. Uh, and, and sure enough, uh, it's being built and be, being built quickly. We were able to go this last trip to uh, just outside of Pajok and uh, do a church plant campaign and more at a farm than a village, I think. Uh, but the Lord provided and now there's a new Church of Christ in Loggy West, Pajok, just uh, a few miles away from, from there. So, so exciting to be a part of the, the mission work there. Uh, that church continues to grow. Isaiah and uh, Andrew and uh, Edward preached for about a month and now they have their own full-time evangelist uh, working there. The school has 14 new students studying right now. Uh, that's exciting. Uh, Don did the graduation while we were there in November of uh, 14 brand new students uh, from our level one, the first graduation of uh, level three, I'm sorry, uh, at the school there. Uh, we had a leaders seminar, uh, regional area leaders, about 70 showed up to come and, and study. How do you keep new converts strong and growing? Because they've baptized so many people, but they've lost a good number as well. And so we're working together uh, as a body and trying to figure out ways. How can we make uh, the churches grow and, and uh, continue growing uh, and spreading and multiplying. They really love this idea of how do you build your own solar panel in, uh, uh, in Africa, the bush of Africa. And so they love that. They want to find ways, and I want to help them find ways to support 
evangelist when they graduate from our school uh, so they can evangelize full time and find a job that works together with that, uh, with that job. Our brother Eric uh, goes out every Sunday and goes with students and kind of uh, a lab for the students and does such a good job with this and recently sent us a letter and a bunch of pictures of 22 that he had baptized in one of the area congregations. Isn't that exciting? We're probably familiar with the new civil war. The uh, war with the Muslims in the north uh, was over and they gained independence, what, six years ago or so. And now a new war has come upon us and uh, a civil war uh, within the country, but mostly in the north part of the South Sudan. Uh, fortunately, that has left us pretty free and open to go and, and work in whatever area there uh, in the south that we want to. Uh, there are many refugee camps uh, full. Kakuma in uh, Kenya is the biggest refugee camp in the world. Amazing. So please pray for our brother Long who's working there. And he sends us emails. He's one of the very few that has a smartphone that can take a picture and send it. And so we don't get very many newsletters from the uh, different refugee camps. There's just no access to email or anything like that. But at least in this one, we get some, some news from them, even though it's very difficult in the rest of the places. At Gumbella, there's a brother, uh, David uh, Thotmer, who graduated from Sunset actually not too long ago. And now he's working together with a group of the refugee uh, evangelists in Gumbella, in Ethiopia area, close to, close to Gumbella. They are teaching and converting constantly. I wish you could look up, look up on your Facebook, David Thotmer. And uh, see, David Mayan Thot, Thot, I think he's calling himself now. They keep changing their names. But uh, it is really exciting to see almost every day, you know. Uh, Praise God, another baptism or 13 more, you know. And another church that was planted and just continuous growth. Uh, and that's so exciting. I just don't have time to tell about the micro lending program and the agricultural program, the water well drilling pro project and uh, solar power to the school that uh, Daniel's working with and the water filter project that hasn't even begun. We've only begun to talk about it. They said, please, please, please. There's so many people dying because they don't have clean drinking water. And so anyway, there's so many things, ways we can love the hurting people around us in South Sudan. So uh, God has done so many things and I hope and pray that he will continue to do great things. I'm here to beg, please, please pray for us so that God will continue doing greater and greater things. Please pray that my faith will grow and, and I can encourage them and, they, and you can encourage me and we can take bigger steps of faith and uh, plant new churches. Uh, please pray for us on this next trip. We, I'm hoping to leave in three weeks to do a, another church plant campaign in Pajok. Kind of a model for this work is what I'm hoping to shoot for so that the students can kind of see how does this work and how does an evangelist support himself and evangelize at the same time and grow a church. Down 
uh, a little south of where we are, probably a mile, two miles uh, away on the other side of the river. Uh, there's quite a, a concentration of uh, residents there, and so we want to try and plant a church there. There was actually a church meeting in the past there, and so we want to help them. Uh, it's quite a ways, particularly for the older uh, brothers and sisters there. Want to be able to help them develop maybe like a charging station. I don't know how they have cell phones, but they have cell phones, okay? <laughs> that doesn't make sense, but they pretty much all have cell phones. And uh, so if we can charge their cell phones at half the price that the other people in town are, are charging cell phones, then the evangelist who has that solar panel and car battery can not only charge cell phones, but every time somebody comes, uh, here is a track I'd like for you to read. Uh, World Bible School, course number, <laughs> you know, uh, WEI maybe, <laughs> you know, uh, studying the Word of God constantly and setting up Bible studies. Oh, by the way, we're having a Bible study on this particular topic on a certain day. Please be here. And they may ask questions. That's such a good question. I think everybody's going to want to answer that for that question. Why don't we just invite everyone, and on this particular night, we'll answer that question and, and invite everyone to come uh, and be kind of a community sort of a, a thing rather than uh, 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 one of the local preachers, but uh, done in maybe a name of uh, a Bible study center or school of the Bible or something like that so that people will feel free to come and study the Bible uh, and learn things. So I'm here that, that you pray, please. Uh, now, if the Lord wills, I, I would really like to uh, do a campaign in June, uh, in July, in uh, Torit. It's a pretty big city. I, I don't know the population. I think it's well over 100,000, maybe closer to 200,000. Torit, an important uh, city in South Sudan. No church of Christ is known. Um, maybe, maybe you should go. I take students with me most every time. I'm telling you, it changes their life. Now, a lot of you have been on a mission trip to El Salvador or uh, Honduras or uh, Russia or Ukraine or someplace and, and you, you know what it's done to your life and it's not just a, a small thing but it's done something in your heart and, and there are things that happen in our heart when we look at, at what's going on in, in uh, Ukraine and what's going on in uh, Brazil and what's going on in the World English Institute all over the world Institute used to have an eye. And South Sudan, and there's all kinds of works. Maybe the work going on in Eastern European missions. So much good work, and we're familiar with some of that. And the work going on in Tanzania. World Bible School has one and a half million students all over the world. Wow, thank God. What does that do to your heart? I wonder what it's supposed to do. What about Greece, Russia? What about the stateside mission? Have you gone on one of those campaigns? <laughs> Listen, that'll change you. 
Change the way you think. Maybe change some of your passions and desires. And What about the work in Haiti and Guyana? And there's just, I, I'm sure there's all kinds of things that I've missed in this list. And, and you've been on mission trips, maybe. I want to open my Bible with you now and start looking at a particular passage. Because in this text, we find out about a woman, and most of us are familiar with this Samaritan woman. As Jesus was walking along, traveling all day, he had to go through Samaria, so the Bible says. And it says that as he was going, he uh, came to this town of Sychar, and he was tired and weary and thirsty and sent his disciples on. And as he was going, he uh, came to this well, and there he probably kind of laid down to rest and wondering, I sure wish I had a, a vessel I could drop down in there and get me some of that cool water. This woman came. She was drawing water, and Jesus said, uh, Can I have a drink? Now... This woman said, uh, listen, uh, you don't have a, a, a vessel. You don't have a, a, a jug. Do, do, you, do you expect to drink out of my jug? Uh, besides that, I'm a woman. I'm a Samaritan. Uh, Jews and, and Samaritans, they don't talk. Uh, it was not culturally appropriate for Jesus to talk to a woman. Then it gets really exciting all of a sudden. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you, can I have a drink? I want to say that again. If you knew that's so important. If you knew the gift of God, if you knew who it was that's asking you uh, for a drink, you would say, uh, give me a drink, and he would have given you living water. Well, that's interesting. You can already see that Jesus is no longer talking about physical water and taking a physical drink. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of this living water will not thirst again, but rather inside him will spring up for everyone around living water. Jesus was offering to this woman life, spiritual life. Please give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to come back and, and draw water from this well. All of a sudden, Jesus asked this really strange question. Uh, go, go get your husband and then come here, okay? I'm sure she was really embarrassed. 
And, and she had already thought, you know, what her answer was going to be. But, sir, I, I, I'm not married. I, I don't have a husband. Yes, you're right, he said. You don't have a husband? Wow, the next few words just flabbergasted this young lady. You've had five husbands. The one you have now is not your husband. Lord, I perceive that you're a prophet. Wow. She wanted to quickly change the topic and get away from that issue because that was really embarrassing. Uh, they say that we're supposed to worship here and, and she wanted to describe, discuss some kind of a doctrinal issue as quickly as she could to get away from that topic. And the Lord said, there's going to come a time when neither in Jerusalem nor in Samaria are we going to worship, but in spirit and in truth. That's the kind of worshiper God seeks to be his worshiper. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. When the Messiah comes, he'll tell us everything. I who speak to you am he. What? All of a sudden, this woman dropped everything. She left her jug and she ran back to town. And I don't know, maybe she was going from, from house to house and yelling, come see this man I found out at the well. Could he be the Christ? She couldn't be stopped and she ran maybe down the streets and the alleys yelling, come to the well and see this man I found. Could this be the Christ? He told me all of my deepest, darkest secrets. The disciples were coming back and they brought the burritos and the Dr. Peppers from daily convenience store and asking Jesus, let's eat. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not really that hungry now. Did somebody bring him some food? What's... Why is he not hungry? I have food that you don't know about. I'm not hungry anymore. There's some powerful lessons that we have to learn from this text. Please understand, this woman was like every human being she was seeking to fill this emptiness in her life with the right man. She knew life is having the right husband or having the right wife. And, and you and I know there are a lot of people in, in this world that believe that real contentment is having the right man or woman in your life. But if you're familiar with the uh, stages of marriage, you've learned that there's like a honeymoon phase and, and then comes the adjustment phase. Some people are able to get through that. More and more, 
are not as able, like this woman. She kept failing. And the emptiness would come right back. I want us to think of what's in our heart. What is there that's going on in our heart, in our mind? Are we filled up, flowing over with what fills the heart of Jesus? I don't like to do my tax income uh, return. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, that was a lie. I hate to do my income tax return. I, I just, I don't dislike it, I hate it. I can think of a hundred things I gotta get done so that I won't have to do that. I can come up with a thousand excuses and it gets kind of close to due, due date before I'm about ready to say, oh no. <laughs> but there's some other things that I love to do. I have this quirky little thing in me. I, I like to work on uh, old computers and fix them up and take them to Sudan with me and uh, help an evangelist have an entire library on his computer. And, and it's funny, I don't, I don't know why. My wife, you know, she might go to bed and, and I'll just keep working and then I'll look at my clock. It's two o'clock in the morning? I'll miss a meal and not even know it. Doing what I like to do, what I want to do. What fills your heart? What energizes you? What energizes Jesus? What energizes Jesus is what I want to energize me. As Jesus saw these Samaritan men coming to hear the gospel, they were so anxious and ready to hear the gospel. Receptive hearts. That energizes me. Does that energize you? Open your eyes. Look at the fields. I'm not hungry anymore. Something was going on in the heart of Jesus. <laughs> he could skip meals. He could slip, skip sleep and drink when he was doing what he really loved to do, sharing the good news. If you knew the gift of God and who it is speaking to you, you would ask and he would give you living water. I don't know where your heart is. Please turn your heart over to Jesus today, please, please. Surrender to him today with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. Please come and respond to the gospel now while we stand to sing.